This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Tamar Green. Tamar, how are you doing today? I am well. I'm very well, Greg. Thank you so much for having me here today. Yeah, no problem. Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, let's start at the very beginning. And could you tell us, what did you want to be when you grew up? I actually, as a young child, and my mom was a pianist, and I wanted to be a classical pianist. Wow. I didn't know, I didn't know exactly what it meant. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> did you get training early? Were you one of those virtuosos or did it, how far did you go down that path? Um, I went pretty far actually. I, I started probably around six. I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would say virtuoso, but my mom <laughs> got me interested real young and we had a piano and my, my dad was very much a lover of music. He was a DJ and did a lot of different promoting and things like that for different groups. And so music was a big part of of my life. And so, yeah, we got into lessons early, a lot of my siblings also, and I continued and actually went through my bachelor's in piano, actually, and a couple other things. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I took, I did not take to piano as a young age. I remember I did it for about a year and a half and I was like, that is enough. So that's great that you were <laughs> able to take to it and at least go as far as you went. That's uh, a great start to your musical career. Yeah. Yeah. It's very helpful. It's helped me it helps me do everything I do, learning music and even other things. But yeah, right. passion of mine is piano, classical music. What was your first actual job as a little kid or even as a teenager? I go going back to my dad. He, uh, like I was saying, he was a DJ, but he also was an entrepreneur and he owned a record shop uh, in my hometown, Rochester, New York. Okay. And um, and so it was a, you know, I'm first generation American, a Jamaican and British parent. So my dad had a uh, kind of reggae Jamaican uh, accessories kind of story. So a lot of oh, that's cool. Like that. so, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of cool. It was cool in the neighborhood. He had those things. And then like Friday, he'd have like a fish fry kind of thing. I have cooking food for people and stuff. It was a, it was a nice, nice experience of my childhood. And so like when I was young, I would work <laughs> with my dad, I guess I would say, just like sell CDs or maybe make CDs. And it actually, I also did a little bit of uh he also, in the beginning of T-Mobile, before T-Mobile was so big, he used to sell, um, uh, like, phone services, like the T-Mobile when it was a prepaid kind of situation. And so I would, like, set up phones and set up pagers, which are not a thing anymore, uh, obviously. I used to just help out a lot there, and it was a lot of fun. Now, what age was this? Was this, like, when you were in high school? I don't know, 13, 14, around those ages, just, just there, basically hanging out with my dad at his job and, like, doing stuff. <laughs> Right, right. Well, that's cool to have that relationship with your dad, kind of working with him and him teaching you stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It was really, it was really great. And also got me interested in. I told you a moment ago about how I did other things in college. I also I majored in computer information systems as well, and I got that initial interest because I was working on my dad's computer, quote unquote, working just like playing on his computer. And he'd be like, "Oh, can you help me?" program this pager or this cell phone and I'm like oh I know how to do that my brain just <laughs> worked that way and I just was like what else can I do with computers and so yeah it really is shaped 
shaped me, helped shape me, actually. Yeah. So what would be your first job, like, out of college or even in college where it was, you know, you got a W-2, you had to pay taxes and everything else like that? Um, let's see. First, out of college, after my undergrad, I went to work for a company called Blackboard Online Learning. Uh, it's a kind of, they do a lot of, like, online classes, and sometimes they do in-school, in-school like, partnerships with schools and in class, but have like an online portion. Uh, that's very popular now, but then it wasn't quite as popular. Uh, so I worked for Blackboard and I had computer information, like a team captain. And that was my like first, like right out of college because I was a major in computer information systems, but also in music as well. I double majored. Wow. That's a lot. Music and when I was music in a performance or was it composition? What kind of major were you? For my undergrad, it was... <laughs> It was a lot. Uh, it was <laughs> piano and voice, actually, uh, performance and computer information systems. So I did a lot of oh things. I was pretty busy, uh, pretty busy. But I tried to be like practical as well as passion driven uh, through my through my training. And so, uh, and I had a and I had a love for for computers as well. So I was like, I can do both of these. Let's do it. Wow. Okay. You were studying music at college, performance, and what was the other one you said? Performance and voice. Yeah, piano performance and, and vocal uh, performance in my undergrad. And my, by the time I went, to, I went and did my master's as well. And I did my master's, I focused on voice. Now, so that's a good lead-in. So where, what do you do today? And if you would, take us from that moment of graduating from college and kind of walk us through how you got to what you're doing today. Sure, yeah. So now I am playing George Washington in the Chicago company of Hamilton. That's amazing. In Chicago, which is it's great. It really is a great company organization it, it's what they're doing is really great for the community but um yeah i got there see from college like i said i did my master's in voice and actually opera is what i did at uh, mm. eastman school of music and so i pursued that for a little bit and uh, i did a little bit of opera but i also like focused on teaching because i do like i love i love to teach i know the voice very well i also play piano so i, I teach piano as well and so I did that right out of my grad school. And then I had a teacher of mine, an old teacher of mine, who just said, like, there's an audition for Porgy and Bess. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a famous opera. I'd mm-hmm. never done it before. I was like, okay, I'll do that. But it was the Broadway version. I didn't know that. I didn't know there was a Broadway version. <laughs> and so I, so I said, all right, yeah, I'll go, um, I'll go to New York and, and, and audition for that. Yeah, sure. And I did that. It was the Broadway version. And um, I actually, oh, you know what? I misspoke. That's actually, <laughs> that's not actually 100% correct. I actually <laughs> was auditioning for Motown, the musical. Wow. And the Motown, the musical, because I also did a lot of band, solo band and like wedding band and I had a reggae band, all that kind of thing. But I did a lot of Motown music and that teacher told me audition for the Motown musical. But I actually didn't get the Motown, but the same casting directors was that were casting Porgy and Bess. Ah, That's gotcha. actually what it was. And okay. so they called me back for Porgy and Bess, the musical on Broadway. And that's that was my first like musical theater, big musical theater transition. I said, Okay, I guess I guess we're doing that. And <laughs> since then I've you know, that was a really great organization, gave part of the part of the union, the actors equity and multiple auditions and things and years later I end up ended up here basically in Hamilton. <laughs> That's an amazing journey. So I just think back, did you do like musicals in high school or college that prepared you for, you know, not just singing but 
acting, performing in such a way? Actually, no, I wasn't really exposed to musical theater or I didn't take an interest myself in musical theater very young. I had, I had only done in that year after my grad school, I had started to branch out and try some other things. And so I did community wise. I did a production of Rent and I did a Little Shop of Horrors and The Wiz. I happened to do those those three things that were happening locally. A couple of friends were in it. And I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. I'm going to try those things. And that was kind of like my first real exposure to actually doing musical theater, performing musical theater. So I did not, I didn't go to, I didn't do it in high school, really. I, I, I did do a little bit of performing through this, uh, it was called All Night Strength. It was like a, uh, almost like a glee, glee club kind of thing, you know, in high school where you just kind of learn to tap. And that was just like a phase of a portion of my high school. And I was like, this is about what I do. I don't know what this is. But I never actually <laughs> did a musical theater production. So did you find it like intimidating to walk out there the first time on stage where you're not just singing? Oh, no, oh, I did not. I did not speak to it very, <laughs> very well. I, um, I have always, as a child, I've always been kind of a shy kid. Mm. And performing in general was a little scary for me. But when I was younger, I was a pianist. And so I, was, I, I got around it by saying, oh, I play piano, so I can hide behind this giant piano. Right. And that's fine, you know. <laughs> and so stepping on stage was always a challenge. It's something I had to overcome. The the shyness and the kind of fear, stage fright situation. It's really it's really interesting, but you get used to it, you know. You get used to using that fear and not letting it become crippling. And you and you never get rid of it, rid of that stage fright or anything like that, but you just use it differently and don't allow it to cripple you so walk me through because i find this fascinating your first audition for what the motown musical that you didn't know was <laughs> yeah <of. laughs> my first uh yeah so I, I went to new york to do this audition i had no idea what the musical theater process was like I just <laughs> right knew that my teacher said that it was motown musical that was auditioning and she knew i sang a bit of motown type music but she's like go ahead and audition i was like okay yeah i can this is what I, I do. I love, like, I think Marvin Gaye type stuff all the time. So I'm going to go there and sing Marvin Gaye. I remember I sang Heard It Through the Grapevine. Right. Like one of my favorite, one of my favorite tunes. I was like, okay, sure. And I went there and um, you go to the theater. It was on Broadway at the time. Um, and so I went to the theater and stayed in line. I read about these lines, didn't know about it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a line of it. people going to audition just like a cattle call, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, like, I know the terms now, but, like, then I'm just like, what is this? What is this line of people? And they tell me to get here crazy early in the morning. I don't remember exactly what time the audition was. But let's say that the audition was at 10 o'clock. I was there probably 7, somewhere wow. around there, just, like, to get in this line. Did you bring, like, a did you bring a fold-up chair and a thermos of chicken noodle soup or anything? You know, some people, some people did. I did, I did not. No, I did not. I didn't know. What to do? Fortunately, I went with uh, a girlfriend at the time, and uh, she was able to help me out and maybe get stuff for me if I needed. Uh, but you know, stayed in that line and in my suit with my paperwork and uh, and, uh, and my headshot and, and and my music I was going to sing. I have a full binder ready. With an opera, mm -hmm. you have a full binder full full songs and all the stuff. And I didn't know about cuts of of songs or whatever. I was just ready to perform my full full numbers. 
uh, but her to do the great final love spirit. So I was out there for hours and hours just waiting and waiting and uh, they had a lot of publicity there actually. They were just like oh, excited about Motown and the cameras and people's faces. I was like, I don't know what is going on here. This is crazy. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, moving right along, I went inside the, inside the theater and I was like, this is beautiful. Okay, we're going to perform in this big Broadway theater here. And then they had different lines of people going different directions to what I gathered, I didn't know at the time, but was to audition in different areas of the theater. And my line went downstairs. And I remember they were behind, they were like by the bathroom and they had like a TV dinner table where the casting person was <laughs> sitting there. And they would have people come from, step from the line and step up to the little table and just sing right there in the hallway. I was like, what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, what is this? I was like, where's the piano? I, I just had no idea what was going on. I was like, what is going on? And so they just had people singing in the hallway. And I was like, okay. And so I'm getting nervous because now, you know, stage fright that kind of mm -hmm. stuff that also comes with singing in front of people and all that a little weird but I was like okay I got to sing in front of all these people now tomorrow you can do this just focus on you and focus on the cat so I did I got up stepped up did my uh, did my turn and did a, a cut of it as I was in the line I learned what I had to do so I did a small cut of her to the grapevine and um, they stopped kind of looked up and said thank you I'm like Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. That's great. You know, that's that, that, that's probably not very encouraging, but at least it wasn't like they didn't just say next. At least they said thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. They just said thank you. Very polite. Very polite. You know, but I, I get it. There were like so many people at this audition. So they were just trying to get through people as fast as they could. And that's when I really started learning what an audition process can be like. And so I left there and I remember I was like really bummed. I was like, what? That was, I waited all this time for like, a minute and a half of whatever and I remember leaving and because I drove to New York City from Rochester it was about six hour drive I drove there just for that audition and I ended up just driving back and um, I remember I was it was about a week later or something like that I was just washing my dishes I was in the cleaning my kitchen just doing a random thing and then I got a phone call from the casting people who again I didn't know at the time I didn't know who Telsey was because I was an opera person, a piano person, and all this stuff. So, Telsey, who is probably one of the biggest casting uh, uh, companies, uh, agencies in New York or in the country. So, they called me and said, hey, we, uh, we're calling from Porgy and Beth. We'd love to bring you back in for an audition for Porgy and Beth. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't audition for Porgy and Beth. What are you talking about? You did. You and just so didn't I, know it. I didn't know. I had no idea. And it's like, yeah, you came into Motown, and we're the same casting association for Oregon Bass and love to bring you in. And I was like, oh, okay. And that started that series of callbacks, which was actually very short. It lasted about two weeks. I went back and forth to New York City multiple times now for Oregon Bass. And in two weeks, I said, great. They casted me in the national tour, first national tour of the Broadway, uh, the Gershwin's Oregon Bass. And I had to leave probably... I'd say it was probably about three weeks, two or three weeks. It's like this starts in two or three weeks. So I had to like uproot my life in mm. two to three weeks. Where were you living and where did you have to move to? So I was in Rochester, New York. So okay. it was about, about, you know, five, six hours, five and a half, six hours west of, of New York City. And I basically had to move to New York City for rehearsals, but then be prepared to go on tour for 
however amount of time it was. It was ended up being like a ten months. Um, so it was a, quite a drastic change. And again, I was I was teaching at the time and stuff. So I had to really make a decision to like take that leap of faith and and go go on tour. And it truly was the best thing I have I had done to decide to do that. It was very important and. I'm very pleased for the decision I made. I think the biggest thing I learned from that whole audition you had was give it your best, even if you don't know what the the end result may be, because obviously during that 90 seconds you had in front of them, someone put a little asterisk by your name saying, exactly. we need to follow up yeah. with this guy, not for this job, but for one coming up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, and that's important. That is a very important lesson because like you get those auditions all the time that come up and you always want to be, do your best, do what you came to do. You know, you trust in your abilities and hopefully you've had a lot of training and all this stuff, but I can get into that later. But, and then just go and do your best because you may not be, you may not be right for what they're looking for right now. And it truly can be right now. It might be something later. And for me, I was very fortunate that it was immediately like a week later that they were like, we want to call you for this particular thing, you know, but it is always important to just go do your best and don't be down about it because, there's a lot of no's that come in this business. You get a lot of, you get no told no a lot, but it can mean not right now. Right. It's good that you didn't like slam down your portfolio of music right afterwards. <laughs> you know, yeah, that would have yeah, scratched you off the list. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, what is this? <laughs> right. Right. What do you mean? Yeah. I've been here for five hours and this right. is it. Yeah. You know, so, I'm out wow. of here. This is ridiculous. Right. Yeah, right. No. Well, I know the world of being a professional performer is incredibly competitive. Is there anything you felt you did that put you above and beyond your competition or was it the quality of your performance you think that was really the driver? I have been blessed with, with, a, with a gift vocally. I, I am fortunate to share my gift every day, but I have, I have truly done a lot of training, a lot and a lot of training. Like I said, I got my master's, even though it wasn't in musical theater, still getting a master's in classical music, classical singing, and opera allowed me, the faculties, to be able to um, healthily um, uh, maintain my instrument and also be versatile between the different styles that I do. Um, so I do that. And I think just being humble and, 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 and focused and driven and not giving up, it, it, those things are very important. Some people do it. And it's, it's your own journey, everyone's personal journey to do whatever they want and in, in, in with the skills they have, with the passions that they have and see what is best for them. It, it, it's not for everyone to be a performer like this because it is very challenging, like you said, and very competitive. So you can find other ways uh, to feel successful and feel happy with your passions. But to do this, it does require to be driven and be focused on your goal of wanting to do, wanting to sing, wanting to perform and not giving up on it because it is where your heart is, it's where you, where I love to be. That's where I love to be. It's what I love to do. Well, could you walk us through how you got the role or the audition process for Hamilton and how you ended up doing what you're doing today? Yeah. So I have been auditioning. Talk about not giving up. I, I <laughs> saw this show for the first time. Actually, I'll tell the whole story. So when I first heard of Hamilton, it was a friend of mine who actually was on Poor Game Best with me. Who was, she was a sound person. Um, and she contacted me and said, Hey, I'm doing this show at the public and I don't, you know, it's not, you might be interested in it. Uh, it's sort of like a Les Mis kind of thing, but uh, it's just, just this new show. And she mentioned the name of it and I didn't know what it was at the time because it wasn't really as huge at the time. 
And I was like, okay. She was like, she had a couple tickets and wanted to offer me a ticket. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. Let me see if my schedule, if I can, I can do that. And I was going to go see this show when it was off Broadway. And then I got a contract to do Ragtime uh, in Philly. And so I said to her, like, oh, I actually can't make it. This was probably about January of 2015, I believe. And I told her, I was like, I can't, I can't make it. Thank you so much for the offer. I really appreciate it. I have to go do the contract. And so I left to do the contract. And about a month maybe later while I'm down there in rehearsals and just starting, uh, starting the show, it's when Hamilton started to actually become more popular, at least in our, in our world. It wasn't world popular yet, but like the, the, the energy of the show was being <laughs> shaken throughout all of us performers for sure because we kept hearing about this thing and it was getting a little bit of notoriety. And so I, was like, right. I called her and I was like, wait a minute, was that show – that show that you were offering me a ticket to, was that, uh, was that Hamilton, Hamilton? That show they're calling Hamilton? <laughs> and she said, yes, yes, it was. I was like, oh, snap, okay. Um, do you happen to have tickets still to that? Because <laughs> I have a day off. I can, I can run up there. It's like, no, I'm sorry. It's not, it's not available anymore. And I was like, oh, man. You know, so that was like the first time I'd heard of Hamilton. Still hadn't heard anything about it as far as the music. I hadn't heard any of the material or seen anything about it. Uh, and then I started hearing my shot. They started releasing that all over the place, and everyone started to know what my shot was. And then um, my contract ended. I was back in New York, um, and they started transitioning from the off-Broadway into the Broadway production. And I'm looking at the auditions. I'm like, this is, looks really cool. They started uh, saying things like, you know, it's this role is sort of like common or like ludicrous, and talking about all these like hip-hop artists that I love. And I was mm-hmm. like, who does that? That's, I've never heard of anyone describing in a character breakdown, describing um, these characters through other hip hop artists. I'm like, this is, this sounds really legit. That's really cool. In the summertime, it was about July or August, I believe it was, is when they were in previews on Broadway. And I was just out with some friends. I believe it was a Monday night. I believe it was their dark night. And no show, there's not a lot of shows. That's usually a popular dark night on Broadway or there's no shows mm-hmm. going on. But I happen to be free. Uh, with my with my girlfriend at the time as well, just like we were like, what what do we want to see? What do we want to do? Want to go maybe see if we could win the lottery or something? And we're like, okay, right, yeah, <laughs> let's just let's just go out and just because we're downtown anyway, let's just go try something. And I'm like, oh yeah, that that new uh, that new show that uh, that Hamilton is that has their lottery going on right now. I'm like, all right, yeah, why not? And I never win. I just I just don't win those kind of things. I never do. Right. But right. I was like, all right, let's do it. Whatever, you know. And so I went there, wasn't a whole lot of people. Uh, there was enough people, but like, not a, as much as there are these days. But I went and played the lottery, and I won the lottery. The $10 <laughs> ham for ham, $10 lottery tickets to their preview in like late July or maybe early August of 2015. And that was my first time being exposed to Hamilton. I remember I was actually sitting in front of Joe Biden. Oh like, my goodness! What is, <laughs> I was like, "What is going on here? No idea." But I sat in that seat, and I was just washed with such power and and intensity and pride in what they were able to do with the history and the hip hop music, which I grew up on as well. And I just, my mind was blown. And so from that moment, I was driven to say, and I said, "Like I, this is one. This is a show that." because I don't come from a musical theater background, like I said, like no one in my family knows musical theater, but that's something I decided to start trying to do with my career. So no one knows what musical theater is really. They never really understood what I did. And I remember leaving that theater feeling like 
this is the show that can make my family understand why I do what I do. And that's in that moment I said, I, this is for me. I need to be in this. And so that started my audition process, 2015. And I've been auditioning since 2015. And finally, when my time was right, I was meant to get it now in 2018. So how many auditions do you think you went through for Hamilton? Oh, man. Um, let's see. I've probably done <laughs> somewhere in the teens, I'm sure. I'm sure somewhere around there. Because like, I, I, I did that in 2015. I initially couldn't get an audition, and I did the whole open cattle call kind of situation again, even though I had I had an agent. So I was like, I should be able to get an appointment, but I couldn't get an appointment at that time. And so my initial time being seen was an open call. And then from that, I got an immediate call back and then another call back. And so I had maybe like four or so in that season of the show. And then they said, you know, we really like you, but it's just not, not right now, basically. Not the right time. Sorry. And I was like, oh, man, okay. So I probably did like four then. I probably came back, called me back again when I started doing the first tour. 2016, I probably did another five in that season. I did a bunch in 17. So I, I, it's probably a good 14, 15, somewhere around there. That must have been cr- crushing to get the con- callbacks multiple times and still not to get it. How would you get through that? You know, I just still kept my passion for the show, and I knew that they liked me. And Telsey is actually the casting, same casting company for Porgy and Beth, actually. They cast Hamilton. So, like, I've had a good relationship since I've did since i done the, the Porgy and Beth um, tour. I had a great relationship with them. So I knew they liked me, and I kept being called back, and I would get uh, a coaching session here and there. And I'm like, okay, all right, this is not for me. This particular project right now, and, it's, and the entity that they're looking to cast right now isn't for me. But I just know that is for me. The more I kept doing the auditions, the more I was getting settled into all these other roles. I just knew it was. So I and and I worked other things too. I was very fortunate to still be able to do some of the tours. I did the Love Never Dies, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's you know, U.S. premiere of his show, and I've, I've done a bunch of the regional things. And so I was working. So I wasn't just like just focused on Hamilton, right? Years, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So. Wow. Now, when you auditioned, were you always going for a particular role or did you mix it up? I was, well, you know, so when they call you back to audition, they, they, they kind of decide, they decide what you're in for. Um, and so when I initial auditions, I was going in for um, Hercules Mulligan slash uh, Madison, James Madison. So that's what I was doing very, very early on. It was just the Mulligan Madison track. Uh, I don't know if you, if you haven't seen the show. There's it's one one role, one character, and the first act plays Hercules Mulligan, and Act Two plays Madison. So that's that's what I was going for initially for a while, and um, so I learned that material pretty well and getting coachings and really digging into that character. So even today, I still have a special place in my heart every time I see uh, Ebron, who's our who's my my Mulligan Madison, Ebron. Every time I see him go on, I'm like, yeah, I know this. I feel this. This is great. <laughs> but, right, uh, right. <laughs> so, you know, I think my first year was that. And then they added the Lafayette Jefferson, another character who was one thing in the first act and another thing in the second act. And I started doing the Lafayette Jefferson. I was like, okay, this is great. And then this past year is when they said, you know what? I had George Washington to that. And I was like, okay. And so I come in for these auditions for the past year with George Washington. And I, I never... Originally, I never saw myself as George Washington because I spent so much time as the Mulligan Madison. Mm, but mm-hmm. as I was learning to George Washington, I was like, there is a strength in this that is more, actually more me now that I didn't see then. I think I, 
I think I connected my, I think the younger side of me connected to the Mulligan Madison, but the, you know, the older side of me really, really connects with George Washington and his journey. And so when I started doing that, I started being called back more and more for that primarily, as opposed to the Mulligan Madison. And do you think you kind of grew into the Washington role after having so much experience in the other roles or just, you know, in general? Yeah. Yeah. Even, you mean before the, uh, for being in the show, actually, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say even though I had so much time in the other ones, I was, because I connected so in a special way with Washington, I, I really felt like I wanted to dig into more of who he was and why he did the things he did. As opposed to the Mulligan Madison, which to me, I just liked, it just seemed like the showy, flashy side of, and the excitement side of my youth. Just like, yeah, I want to do this and just be having fun and being aggressive, but not necessarily intellectually deep. And so I felt that intellectual side of me fulfilled through the Washington and, and that kind of attached to my core even quicker, even though I didn't have as much time with the role. It quickly became part of me, and I found the stillness and the strength from being, from being, from from portraying the Washington in the room. Okay, yeah, and, and for the record, I could like talk to you all day about this stuff. So <laughs> I can already tell this will be a slightly longer one of our podcasts, which is great. Yeah. But could you, so tell yeah. me, how long have you been performing this role, and then how many shows do you do a day and a week? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I just want our listeners to have a real world view of how difficult this is, I, I, I would, yeah. you know, and how do you get through the repetitive nature of it? How do you keep it fresh? And then if you could talk a little bit about your days touring, hopping around so much, because uh, that's a lot of work and a lot of strain traveling that much. I know I just threw a bunch at you, but yeah. <laughs> if you could just kind of touch on that a little bit uh, from, yeah. you know, yeah. think of it from a, a 14-year-old perspective, the kind of stuff you would really want them to understand. You know, you right. got the glamorous side of it, obviously, but there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's a lot of work, you know, and the work, like I said, the work starts before you even get a paycheck. You know, like mm-hmm. the work is the work happens when you're young and the work happens when you're in school and, and you're trying to just better yourself and figure out who you are at the same time. Like the work is uh, showing up in these auditions and taking the no's uh, that you keep getting and not being broken by them. You know, the, the work mm. is, is, is getting a, maybe getting a side job so you can afford to uh, not be getting paid in this other, literally, it's a job to be auditioning. It's, it's work to do even that. Like, the work is so deep, and, and it really takes that love and passion to, to do that. But the work specifically of Hamilton, I, I, I joined in August for rehearsals, and we've had six weeks of rehearsals. I, I had I had six weeks of rehearsals. I was replacing mm-hmm. a gentleman, a gentleman who was original cast member here. And they really gave me probably actually the most one-on-one time that I've, I've ever had in a, in a production in six weeks is some community theaters. I, I, that's different. In community theaters, the they, requirement is a little different. They assume you have a day job and all that stuff. So when you get here, your day job is the show. You know, when you're rehearsing on this, on this level, that's your day job. So you can right. rehearse yep. starting at 10 a.m. or whatever. You, can, you, you come in early and you might spend eight hours rehearsing. So that's what it was in August. It was six weeks. I was able to really, really dig in one-on-one with my director and my choreographer. And she, she, they, they all helped me build and dig deep into this role, into this character. Mm. I, I bought mm-hmm. the you know, I bought the book, the the, the Robert Chernow, the, the show is based off of the Hamilton book, 
I, I also bought the George. He wrote a George Washington autobiography as well. Yeah, so I was saying that I, I, I was reading the book. So I was reading that Ron Chernow one about Washington. And I would read this book, and I'd have full discussions with my director. And to, like, what do you think? What, what do you think about Washington's decisions here? Or why do you think he was connected with Hamilton? So it's a lot of book work as well, mm, just, like, mm-hmm. really digging in to these characters. It's, it's truly, because acting, I always tell this to my, to my students, and it's like, acting is not just, some people always say, like, oh, you, you're playing pretend, or you're pretending to be something for a living. I'm like, that's not, that's not actually what we do. Like, I, acting is, the best actors are able to be themselves in different scenarios. Because you know, if you don't do that, you never, you personally never connect with the role, the character, and the audiences can smell that. Like, they can see it, they can feel it, that you're not connected if you're not right. yourself, you know. So in order to do that, you have to do the work to find yourself in these characters. And so that's part of, that's part of that, that work that I was able to do for six weeks here in this company. And now I'm doing the show eight shows a week. Okay. Tuesday to Sunday, two shows on Wednesday, two shows on Saturday. And I just reached a hundred shows. I think it was about a week ago. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful journey, beautiful journey. It's just a lot of work, uh, a lot of, you, you talk about refreshing, how to keep it refreshed. It's remembering never to get comfortable. I talk about that fear. I talked about fear a little bit earlier. Like, the stage fright is something you deal with all the time. And sometimes when you get comfortable, for me and many of many people as well, once you like no longer have that fear, because that fear for me is what drives me to be on stage, and I use it. Mm. Once you no longer have that fear, you've gotten too comfortable. And I've I've found that in many performances actually, I would get on stage, and those are the moments where I make my mistakes. I could be doing a certain line. And then I'm all of a sudden I go off on my words and I forget my words. I'm like, oh, what, what happened? And you know, I'm like trying to fix it. Right. It's like that's because my stomach growled and I started thinking about a sandwich in the middle of my song. You know, <laughs> like you, you can't you can't do that. You have to keep that focus, keep that drive. Um, and with the show specifically, I find personally, I find when I leave the show, connecting with the audience, connecting with the people at the stage door, or when I walk through the house, that's how I also keeps it alive because it's such a real relevant show today that I'm able to talk about this with people and like just intellectually break things down and why it's so powerful even having uh, a show of this caliber of caliber with, with people of color as the principals and uh, it's just that it's really changing young people older people I had this one kid come to me and say to me because I'm playing George Washington, who was, you know, the, he was uh, a white guy, you know? And so that's one of the powers in this show is that it is showing that you can be, shows like this can be told by people of color. That's one of the, one of the things that is great about the show. And I had this young, young kid who was, uh, he came to me and he said, you know, George Washington had white hair. And I was like, <laughs> yes, you know what, George Washington did have white hair. I should talk to him. He was like, yeah, you could, you should, why don't you wear a wig? And we started talking about why I don't wear a wig. We didn't talk about race, <laughs> though, you know? We just, right, And right. that young child didn't see a problem with the fact that I was a person of color and I'm a black guy. Um, he just thought that I did not have a white wig. And that just, <laughs> right. It just touched me, so it really did touch me. I'm like, this is, this is it. It's changing, you know, the fabric of the being of the youth. Yeah, and it's, and it's, 
great to feel that and do that every day when I leave the theater as well. But there are many different things that keep me keep it fresh for me. That's great. That's really awesome. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. If you're an educator or a student, you can search by career cluster and additional resources are under the resource tab. So we just learned what you wanted to be when you grew up and what you actually do today. So if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? I would. That's a great question. I was stating earlier that I did not grow up in with a musical theater um, sensitivity growing up or exposure, if you will. And that's one of the biggest things that I would change is that I, I feel like when I jumped into the business, uh, fortunately, my, 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 my skills and my training and my heart uh, were still great enough to allow me, and I was fortunate and blessed to be able to still do, uh, still do what I do, and I work and work, but I would have been much better off if I had had more exposure to more theater and, and, and the classics and things like that. I feel like I've kind of played catch up. I've had, I've been forced to play catch up when I got new thing, I was given new things and people are like, Oh, you haven't seen, I don't know. You haven't seen Chicago, that show. And, or, you know, or my favorite lady. And I'm like, Oh no, I actually haven't, I haven't seen these, these classics. And I don't know these classic performers because it just wasn't what my upbringing was. And so I, I, that is one thing that I, I wish I was able to do younger. So I feel like just truly like, Take that opportunity and read and watch everything and go see old shows, go to the library or whatever, and just absorb more diverse style of, of music and art in general, even just general art. You know, you, we learn from everything. We learn from, uh, from visual art. When I say general art, sorry, visual art. There are many different things that I wish I was just absorbed more of uh, these different styles and shows and, and movies, classic movies as well, you know, singing in the rain or something like that, you know, all those kind of things. I, that's something that I'm now like playing catch up and watching the classics because it's important. You know, it's funny you say that because musicals are so powerful. And I was fortunate to be exposed to a chorus line like when I was in eighth grade on Broadway. Mm, yeah. You know, we had a partially obstructed view, you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah. it was really <laughs> yeah. cool. And, and I had a situation for work where I had some time to burn. And there was like five of us guys that went to go see Phantom of the Opera on Broadway, mm, and okay. I just remember at the end of it, it's five guys that just kind of know each other loosely, you know, in a working environment, yeah, and yeah. at the end of Phantom of the Opera, one of the guys had teared up, and he just said, the guy just wanted to be loved, <laughs> you ah. know, and it was a kind of a funny bonding moment over, uh, you know, five guys that didn't really know each other that well over a musical, yeah. but it was really cool. It stuck with me. That's, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful, because people connect with that kind of, with, with these stories. That's why it's important. That's why it's not just a playing pretend or like some sort of comic relief kind of thing. Like these are stories that can really change someone. You can see yourself on that stage and say like, man, that guy was able to say like, I, he, he just wanted to be loved, you know? So maybe he connected himself and was like, I've had that moment in my life where I just wanted to be loved, you know? So that, that's what's beautiful. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, let's make the assumption that someone in our audience wants to do what you do, which I'm sure someone does. What advice would you give them? The biggest advice I can give truly is, A, doing what we were just talking about a second ago, which is just absorbing everything, absorbing mm -hmm. different shows. Go see operas, too, even if you're interested in musical theater. Like I said, I, was, I went to college, and I did opera, and I did classical piano, and I'm here. You know, I think I connected. I know I connected, actually, with Alex Lacamar in my last audition because he actually asked me. I, I went out in the hallway for a minute. Um, he told me just wait for a few minutes while they just – talk about like, they do this often or they just want to talk and then might send you back in to ask you to do more things 
but we connected talking about opera, not about Hamilton, not about musical theater, opera. He's like, oh, what do you do? What do you do in, in, in opera? And I was like, oh, I'm a dramatic tenor. And he's like, oh, what kind of stuff would you do? And I was like, oh, I like, I like Puccini, you know? And it, I just, we talked about opera for a while. And I was able to connect with him as a person, not just like showing off a voice or a dance thing or something, you know? So, so that, you know, so just work on your general growth because it makes you a more in tune person with the world and the world, um, world views and, and things like that. Some people get stuck in whatever town they're in, a smaller town or something like that, and they don't know what's going on in the world. And it really does help you be, have a greater sensitivity to other things and make you a whole uh, a better person as a whole to to explore other cultures and other art and things like that. So that's that's the big big thing. But also on top of that, specifically training, like go get voice lessons, go to school of some sort. Sometimes traditional school isn't for everyone, but I I am a big proponent of school. Like I went to a lot of school, <laughs> and so <laughs> go to school or like get you a nice a, a voice teacher, take ballet, you know, something like that, or like tap or whatever dancing styles just work on your general craft yeah that's awesome well are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share i'm working on for this next season i am working on an an album or an ep of some sort i'm working on some new music and so you can look out for that in the next couple months that i, I would like to use all these different types of sides of myself and put it into my in, into my personal music, or and maybe do some old covers and stuff like that too. But like, look out for that. I'm definitely gonna release some new music soon. And other than that, you can catch me eight times a week in Chicago, at the company of Hamilton, CIBC <laughs> Theater. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, and we will revisit. Um, for a note to our listeners, just sign up for our newsletter at learnfromothers.org. And I will do updates, and I will have your album on there whenever it comes out. So be sure to sign up. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, great. Yeah. Well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And I'm a huge car enthusiast. We don't know each other, but I gave you a little heads up about that. (laughs) Uh, So could you tell us what was your first car? (laughs) My first car was a – oh, what year was it? Oh, man. I think it was a 1990 Cutlass Sierra. Oldsmobile. Oh, yeah. Okay. My dad loved old, old, Oldsmobiles, and he had a uh, he had a Cutlass himself, uh, and he's, he's actually fixing it up right now. <laughs> he's fixing it up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's like repainting it and stuff like that, and putting like a whole new uh, uh, body on it. Actually, but like, keeping the regular body, but like the, the engine and buying a new engine for it and stuff. So, yeah, so I had an Oldsmobile that he acquired for me as my first. Or he bought me. I don't know why I said acquired. He bought me a car, <laughs> my first car. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a nice, nice dad there. That's nice. Yeah. Well, what is your dream car if you have one? I, you know, that changes all the time. I've never really been a huge, huge new car person, but I always loved the like kind of old school chargers, you know, like those Dodge oh, Chargers. Yeah. I, I really like those muscle, muscle cars, you know. So that's, that's my short answer to that, I suppose. <laughs> no that's great that's oh i have it changes every day (laughs) any of the 60s muscle cars or even the new new exotics i'm all i just got it my first porsche 911 it's a 99 i'm Mm -hmm. in love with that now so it changes frequently yeah right right (laughs) well well, one great perk to some jobs is a company car so if i had all the money in the world i'd love to buy you a company car and i'm basing it on your job so 
Mm-hmm. So here's why. First off, you're playing George Washington. So I wanted an iconic American manufacturer. So yeah. I picked a Packard. Packard from 1930. Okay. And I just sent you an email. Don't know if you're online or not, but I shot you a note that shows this car. It's a 1930 Packard 734 Speedster runabout. So this is the high performance hypercar of the day. I figured you're a performer. You're, you know, you're in front of audience. You know, it'd yeah. be nice to make a nice, a big theor- theatrical entrance, <laughs> and this would be the car to do it in. So, oh, that's beautiful. If I, I had it. all the money in the world, yeah, isn't that gorgeous? <laughs> that is, it's a, a gorgeous, beautiful car. car. Absolutely. Yeah, and I believe it's this one is a V16, so it's got the huge like airplane engine in it, basically. <laughs> so. <laughs> Wow. That's the car I would pick if I had all the money in the world. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I take that. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking us on your journey. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you and, I guess, Hamilton? Yeah. So you can find me at my website, www.tamargreen.com, T-A-M-A-R-G-R-E-E-N-E.com. I'll be posting things on there or on Instagram, also tamar.green. Yeah, and then the Hamilton website, Hamilton Musical. You can check us out there. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tamar, so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you very much. This has been a pleasure to just talk. I love this. This is great. I love what you're doing here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.